0: Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas good to see you all this evening on this beautiful night I have an apology though um, we have no snow and I take that upon myself I guess I did not pray hard enough against you who are praying for it not to snow but anyway God works in mysterious ways Good to have you here this evening and uh, we uh, have a special treat if you will for your kids. Uh, the elementary kids' uh, younger kids got a, a a bag as they walked in, and later on in the service, we are going to have them come up and talk a little bit about what 's in that bag. But before we get there, we have the obligatory safety brief um, we 're using real fire here, and so we have some uh, firefighters in our church, and they just kind of keep their lips buttoned when it comes to this time of year for us and They don't tell their captains or whomever, but I think we're okay. But real fire means there's a real danger, obviously, and uh, don't be afraid of it, but make sure that you are very careful. So parents, if you have small children with you, use your own discretion. It's up to you to decide whether or not you would like them to have a candle and whether or not you want them to have fire in their hands, (laughs) okay? That's up to you to decide that. And so you need to make sure that you are uh, taking care of that and protecting them and those around you. So when it comes time to light the candles at the end of the service, when we sing Silent Night, and this is why we call it a candlelight service, when your candle is lit, you always hold it upright. And we're going to, we're going to pass the light, the flame, down the aisle. And so if your candle is unlit, you can turn excuse me, turn that candle to the, the lighted candle, okay? But if your candle has a flame, do not turn because it will um, you know, drip candle wax everywhere in your lap, uh, the lady's hair in front of you, and it'll be hard to get out. And just, we don't want that kind of stuff. So be very careful when it comes to that part of the service and it will be, it'll be beautiful. It really will. Um. And so, without any further ado, we are going to pray, and then we're going to, uh, I think we're going to stand and sing the first song, then we'll sit down after that, I think. Uh, But anyway, um, would you pray with me, and we will thank God for this beautiful evening. We're grateful, Father, for the Christmas season, and we thank you for being here with us this evening. Thank you for the joy that fills our heart at the Savior's birth For the good news that you have brought to this earth that is for all people. And we ask that as we sing this evening that you would be pleased. We ask that you would help us to sing with hearts of gratitude and great joy. That we would sing loudly and to one another and to you. And we pray, Father, that you would make known to us the the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to understand it in its fullness this evening for it is the most important time of the year to understand that. And we pray, Father, that we would understand your great love that you have sent your Son into this world. And so we will sing to you this evening, and we will fellowship with one another, and we offer to you our worship now on this Christmas Eve. In the name of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, we'll sing.
1: So, I invite you as you are able to please stand as we do this first song. And then, I like guess Ben said, you can sit afterwards, or there'll be another time where you can sit at a later time as well. in order to register, along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them.
2: Born to set thy people free from our fears and sins, release us, let us find.
0: Pretty good singing going on out there. Have you ever wondered if you have pentaphobia? Anybody ever wonder that about yourself? Pen- pentaphobia? Well, we'll come back to that later, okay? Because it is a thing, and we'll talk about it as we go along. Um, this time of year, it's very common for churches and pastors to use Christmas films, Christmas movies, as illustrations for various spiritual things, and I think there's a good reason for that. Um, Many of the movies portray the, the biblical themes of love and forgiveness and kindness and generosity and reconciliation. You see that often in these Christmas movies that are out there, and some of them, it's kind of a stretch to try and pull any kind of a biblical message out of it, but the world really does want to understand what Christmas is all about. And there is one Christmas film that, for me, I think is probably far away the one that does the best job of bringing about the true meaning of Christmas. And, of course, I'm talking about a Charlie Brown Christmas. It really does. It really does. Um, The background of that, of course, is Charlie Brown is based upon the comic Peanuts, by Charles Schultz. And uh, Charles Schultz was wildly popular back in the day uh, with his uh, Snoopy and Charlie Brown and all the other characters. A Charlie Brown Christmas debuted on national TV on December 9th, 1965. How many of you were there? A good portion of you were around 1965. It's a long time ago, wasn't it? A long time ago. But there was, there's something you need to know about our culture at that time, because in the 1960s, things were changing, if you remember. They were changing quite a bit. Up until, and up through, rather, the 1950s, our culture of the United States <clears throat> was known primarily as a Christian nation, and it was okay to talk about your faith and Bible in in public places like schools and in stores and wherever you work, and it was really quite common for people to pray and read the Bible and talk about uh, their faith. Two things happened as uh, our culture was changing and all of a sudden people were questioning institutions, they were questioning church, they were questioning government, they were questioning lots of things, and there were two decisions that were handed down by the Supreme Court, one in 1962 and one in 1963, In 1962, prayer was barred from public schools. And in 1963, um, they barred the reading of Scripture in public schools. Now, regardless of what you think about that, and there are good people on both sides of whether that should be allowed or not, but regardless of what you think about it, what happened was it was the spirit of the age in our culture where people took a step back. In fact, the church retreated. The Church began to think of themselves as we are a bastion and we, and we need to stay behind our four walls and we need to protect ourselves from secularism. True enough, but the problem is the church retreated on many fronts. Enter Charles Schultz Schultz, who wrote the Peanuts cartoon, oftentimes would have Bible references and biblical characters, but they were always funny. It was, a, it was a comical thing, and he would poke fun at Christians and poke fun at the Bible sometimes. But he was a believer, and he was really strong in his faith. faith. Now, as he was getting more and more and more popular, the the major TV studios were taking note of him, and he had a, a group of men. He had a team. There was a man who was like a manager there was a guy that he um, hired from Disney to do animation for him because they wanted a project where they were going to do a documentary on Charlie Brown and Peanuts. And so they pitched it to the various uh, TV networks. And remember, back then there was ABC, NBC, CBS, and this, yeah, a little bit of PBS. There were a few independent channels in some larger markets. There, was no, there were no home computers There was no streaming, there was no internet, there were no cell phones, there was radio of course, and TV was fledgling, and in this fledgling new TV era, they took a step back also from the place of faith, and and the statistics have been done on, uh, during the 1960s, how often faith was represented, it was very, very few cases. That's just the culture that we lived in. But... The TV executives did not want to do this uh, this documentary because they couldn't get the funding, they couldn't get the advertisers. They didn't think it would get the ratings. In other words, it's all about money, so they shelved the project. In in May of 1965, um, CBS called uh, Schultz's team and said, hey, Coca-Cola has approached us. And they would like to sponsor a Christmas program. Do you have anything going on that you could in any way connect to Christmas? And his business manager said, yes, we've got something. And he didn't. They didn't have anything on the table. So he goes back to Charles Schultz and tells him. And so they needed an outline by the weekend. And in two days, Charles Schultz basically wrote the whole outline for the script of a Charlie Brown Christmas. Now, when his animator and his business manager received the the script, they were not happy. They were afraid. They said, you know what? This is very risky. I'm not sure if we can do this. Do you know why? If you have seen A Charlie Brown Christmas, it ends with Linus taking center stage at a play. He says, lights, please, and he reads from the Bible. He read from the Bible, and they were afraid that that was a little bit too risky, and maybe the networks wouldn't buy it. But Schultz said this. He said, if we're doing this show, and it's going to be at night, I'm going to add some meaning to it. I don't want it just to be funny if we're going to do it. I think we should talk about the true meaning of Christmas. And that's what it was all about. The true meaning of Christmas, and so they submitted it to, to, to CBS, and they were not too happy about it. And a week before it was to air, they sent to them the film to be uh, to be watched by the TV executives in New York. They were really not happy. They sent a letter back expressing their displeasure to Schultz and his team. They didn't like any of it. They didn't like the fact that they didn't use a laugh track, uh, you know, canned laughter. They didn't like the fact that it was kind of slow moving. They didn't like the fact that the, the singing in it wasn't professional. They used kids to sing kids, you know, and uh, real kids. And they didn't like the fact that it mentioned the Bible. In fact, they said, this Bible stuff, they, uh, quote, this Bible stuff scares us. They were afraid that it would be a ratings bomb and that people would complain bitterly that they're pushing religion down their throat. But guess what happened? It was a sensation. It was a smash hit. And it has become a classic since because of the story line of A Charlie Brown Christmas. What is the story? It's our story. It's the story of the gospel. Charlie Brown is depressed because he's just not feeling Christmas. And he wants someone to tell him what Christmas is all about. And he says that at one point. Can't somebody just tell me what Christmas is all about? And he laments the, the cheesiness, the cheesy factor of everything that's happening. Uh, Snoopy, of course, enters a light contest with his, his doghouse. Lucy wants real estate for Christmas. And uh, Sally asks Santa for cold, hard cash. That's what the way she puts it. But Lucy tries to help, help Charlie Brown because Charlie Brown is depressed. And so she offers him psychiatric advice for the fee of five cents. Remember that. And so he puts a nickel in the can, and she's, oh, the, the sound of cash. I love this. And she says to Charlie Brown, she says, I think we better pinpoint your fears, If we can find out what you are afraid of, we can label it. That's the way it is today, even. If you can find out what you're afraid of, you have a neurosis, you have a diagnosis, you have something wrong with you, and we can label it, but what is the answer? And so she's trying to find his fears, and she goes through all these phobias, and they're really long words, they're real words, I'm not going to give them all to you, but she goes through these seven phobias, And the first is the fear of responsibility. There's a word for that. It's a real thing. And then there's the fear of cats. I do not have a fear of cats. I have a dislike of cats. But I do not have a fear of them. And then there is the fear of staircases. It's actually called climacophobia. There is the fear of bridges. And then there is the fear of the ocean called thalassophobia but then she gets down to brass tacks because he's saying i don't have any of these phobias and she says to him maybe you have pantophobia lucy you have pantophobia charlie brown says well what's pantophobia and lucy says the fear of everything comes from the word panta, which means all phobia. Pantaphobia. So when she says, I think you have pantophobia," Charlie Brown says, that's it. That's what's wrong with me. But then on second thought, thinking about it, he says, actually, Lucy, my trouble is Christmas. I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. And instead of feeling happy, I feel sort of let down. Any of you there tonight about Christmas feeling sort of let down? It happens. I've been there. Sometimes there's just that vague feeling. You know, you shall be joyous at Christmas. You shall be happy. And I'm not feeling it sometimes. And maybe you don't either. I mean, in the middle of the shopping and the parties and the responsibilities and and uh, people letting you down. And sometimes we remember things that happened to us years ago at Christmas. Maybe that's when your marriage ended. Maybe that's when you had a big fight with your son. Maybe that's when you lost a love. There are many things that bring back memories. Maybe someone died at Christmas. I had a cousin who died this morning, and that saddens me. And we remember those things at Christmas time. And for some reason, Charlie Brown. Just wasn't feeling it. Her answer, Lucy's answer, was you need involvement. And so since she needed someone for the play, she puts him in charge of the play. And sometimes that's what we think is the answer. We need to get involved more. We need to do more things. We need to bake more. We need to watch more TV programs, Christmas programs that make us happy. We need to help more people. We need to talk to our neighbors. And we can make a long list of things that we can be involved with to make ourselves feel better about Christmas. But it goes on to the end of the story, of course. And Charlie Brown is trying to find out what the true meaning of Christmas is. And Linus says to him, Charlie Brown, I know what the true meaning of Christmas is. And Linus steps out on the stage, center stage, and he says, Lights, please. And then he begins to read. And this is what gave the TV executives angst. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in their fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. You know what's coming the announcement of the birth of Jesus. Shepherds. Why shepherds? Why wasn't the announcement made to the king, to the mayor, to someone important, someone who was an influencer, someone who could maybe make a difference? Shepherds were lowly. In fact, they were really looked down on upon many people. But you know what? They're just average people like us. They're just people. And that's part of what we, we, we see throughout the scriptures. We see, even there, we see what God values. God values the little guy. He doesn't value the king and the rich and the famous and the influencers. It doesn't mean that Christ did not die for them, but it just means that God values the humble. And he chose to make this announcement to some, some shepherds out in the field. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, it wasn't dangling in the air, but this angel stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before, but it wasn't just the glory of the angel shining to them, but this glory, this bright shining brilliance of the glory of God shone all around them. They were enveloped in this brilliant light out in the middle of the the mountains and all there were were stars. You have to appreciate this. There were no LEDs. There were no incandescent lights. There were no headlights on vehicles. There was no glow from a a city in the distance. The only kind of light that they had was the light that I dropped on the floor. Where did it go? Candlelight. That's the only kind of light that they had. And all of a sudden, they're enveloped in this supernatural brilliance that comes from this being from another dimension who comes right into their space, if you will, And the angel. And it says that they were terribly frightened. Now, in the the book of Luke, so far, where this has happened, angels have appeared to... um, To Zacharias, Gabriel appeared to him, and he was afraid. Then an angel appeared to Mary, and she was afraid. And Matthew tells us that an angel appeared to Joseph, and he was afraid. And now and this angel appears to these shepherds, and it says they were terribly frightened. They're really frightened because they don't know what's going on. And the glory of the Lord is a fearful thing because there is a being who is beyond this, our comprehension. And when we come into his presence and, and before him, it is a fearful thing. But the angel said to them, what the angels said to every one of them, do not be afraid. Now, when Linus read that story, you know Linus is the one who carries around the, the security blanket. He reads these words, do not be afraid, and he drops his blanket on the, on the floor. His security. The angel says, do not be afraid. Maybe you had a child who had a security blanket, or maybe you have a child who has a binky or a bubba or one of those you know, those toys, those stuffed animals, and they, they hold on to them for security, and what happens when you rip it out of their, their arms? They cry. They get fearful. And Linus takes his security blanket up to read the story, and he drops it when he reads the words, Do not be afraid. Now he will pick it up at the end of the story, and actually he's going to put it on the Christmas tree. Go watch it and you'll see some of these, these interesting things. But he picks it up because he's, he's still human, but it's a demonstration that his insecurities are wiped away, his fear is wiped away when the angel says, do not be afraid. But why? Why not to be afraid? When when Gabriel spoke to Zacharias, he said, Do not be afraid because... When the angel spoke to Mary, he said, Do not be afraid because... And now the angel says, Do not be afraid because I bring you good news. This is not a bad news thing. You do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy... When someone brings you good news, isn't it a place, isn't it a a means of joy to you? It fills your heart with happiness and joy. Good news. And this is what the word gospel means. When we talk about sharing the gospel or the truth of the gospel, it is the good news about Jesus Christ. I bring you good news of great joy, mega joy, which will be for all the people. It will be for all the people. It's not for Americans. It's not for Africans. It's not for Europeans. It's not for South Americans. It's not for Jews. It's not for Palestinians only. It's for everybody. All people everywhere. And that is the good news that That God is non discriminatory when it comes to this message of good news of great joy, that it is to go out to the entire world, all people, whatever language they speak, wherever they live, however rich they are, however rich they're not, whatever the color of their skin, whether they're male or female or whatever. Good news for all people. It is for you, not just some of you in this room. This good news is for all of us. And the angel explains further why this good news. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's always a joyful occasion when a baby is born, isn't it? We had two grandchildren born within a month of each other this last summer. We knew that they are. Our daughter and our, our daughter-in-law was pregnant, and we knew when they went into labor. And when we got the phone call that the baby had come, we were filled with great joy at the good news. Babies always bring great joy. And if you've ever been in the in the uh, at a home birth, if you've ever been in the in the presence of a baby, we have six kids, and I was there for the, the birth of every one. When that baby cries, it is the most joyful sound in the world, isn't it? But this was not just any baby. Today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is born for all who believe all who will believe in him, all who will trust in him, all who will let go of their insecurities and their fears and their sin and their anger and everything that holds you back. He is a Savior for all people and individually for men and women and boys and girls who believe in him. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, when the angel appeared to Joseph... Same thing, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary for your wife. Do not be afraid. Think about it, guys. You're engaged to this woman. You're excited about it. And two months in, you find out she's pregnant. And you know it's not your baby. There's no way. And what are you going to do? I mean, many would just be angry, but... Joseph was a godly man, and he, wanted, he, he cared for her. He wanted to protect her, and he was trying to decide what the right thing to do was. And an angel says, do not be afraid to take her as your wife. For well, the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. The angel names the child That's a very personal thing, isn't it? We have six kids and we we chose very carefully the first and the middle name for, for all of our kids and there are stories behind most of those names. But when someone names that child for you, you know that that is significant. And this is a messenger from God himself who says, this is the baby's name, Jesus. Why? He will save his people from their sins. Jesus means... The Lord is salvation. The baby in the manger is our salvation. The baby born that night is the Savior. He is Christ the Lord. The baby in the manger is the one who saves us from our sins. When we believe in Him, when we entrust ourselves to Him, when we believe that He is indeed the Son of God, that we are sinners and He is the Savior and we we turn to him in repentance and in faith, he makes us alive together with himself. Later on, Jesus would say this. My peace I leave with you. Do not be afraid. My peace I leave with you, not as the world gives do I give to you, My peace, he brings to us a peace. God and sinner reconciled by faith through this baby who is a savior. So do not fear. Pantophobia, yeah, it's a thing. But for Christians, we need not fear. I was talking to my oldest son a few weeks ago. And he told me about a trip that they made to San Diego to go to the beach with a, some friends. And his friends had, friend had some, some children, and they were playing on the beach. But he found out that they had never actually been in the ocean before. They would go to the beach often, but they would never go into the ocean. And my son asked him, so why do your kids not go into the ocean? And he said, because I don't know what's out there. That's Fear. That's fear of the ocean. It really is. That's a real fear. But of course we don't know what's out there. My granddaughter said to my son, Dad, are there sharks out there? And he said, could be. What happens if I get bit? My son said, well, you could die. And she said, and then what happens? You go to heaven. And she said, okay. And she grabbed her boogie board and went swimming. Because she has been taught from the time that she was born, she's only 10 years old, but she has a secure faith in her Lord and her Savior. She's not afraid of death. She's not afraid of the ocean. She's not afraid of anything, nor should we be. Father, thank you for giving to us your Son. Thank you for the joy and the peace that comes from Jesus Christ our Lord. And we greet you this happy evening, welcoming into our hearts and our lives our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ by faith that he is indeed your son who has died for us and risen from the dead. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. I would like to have the kids come up at this time. We're going to ask them a couple of questions. They should have a bag. Bring those bags with you, kids. And we are going to just talk to you for just a moment, so mom and dad, send your kids up here, and we're going to talk about Christmas and a few things. So come on up. Yeah, be the first one. If you're up here first, you get a white bag, or if you're second, or if you're third. Come on, all right. In the first service, we had kids from there to there, (laughs) it was quite a few. Come on, yeah, it's all right. Okay. Stephanie, maybe I could have one of those because <clears throat> I see. Okay. Who can tell me just very briefly the story of Christmas? Just a couple of sentences. What is the story of Christmas?
2: The story of Christmas is where, um,
0: actually, I don't know. Okay. Anybody else? The story of Christmas is how Jesus was born. Okay, that's pretty much it, right? And where, what city was he born in? Anybody know? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Yes. I know you had your hand up so you could say it. In a cradle. Oh, in a cradle. You know what, you know what the, the, the crib was made out of? Anybody know what it was made out of? Most likely. What do you think it was made out of? There's like um wood and then like some straw f- to like sleep on, I think? That's what it normally looks like. It was probably made out of stone. What a that would not be a fun place to sleep, would it, as a baby? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, do you think that uh they knew how much baby Jesus weighed? Well they did. They knew exactly how much he weighed. You know why? Away in a manger. Good one. Huh? <laughs> so, where is Bethlehem? Where is that city? You know where it is?
1: In Judah.
0: Pretty good. How far away is that? About how many miles do you think? I was, I was
2: going to say. Uh,
0: uh, 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 in it's in Israel, which was Judah is part of Israel, Judea. Yes, in the southern part. And um, about how far away do you think it is? 3,000 miles. 3,000? 3, a little bit further than that, but yeah, it's pretty close. It's a long ways away. And how long ago did this whole thing happen? About how many years ago? Yes. Like 6,000, I think. 6,000? That's a little much, but thousands of years, a couple of thousand years, a long time ago. So Joseph and Mary went all the way to Bethlehem. And do you, anybody know how far it was? About how far was it? 400, 500 in the middle of there sometimes. Four or 500 sometime. miles? Yeah. Not quite that far. Anybody else? Five days walk. About five days walk, yeah. Maybe 100 miles. How did they get there? You said they walked. I mean, they didn't have any cars. We don't even know if they had a donkey or not. I mean, we usually see Mary on a donkey, but we don't really know. They might have just walked the whole way, and she was pregnant, right? That's a long ways. So um, why do you think that there was all this bright shininess of the glory of God in this dark night? What does that mean? That a baby was born in Bethlehem. Yes, a baby was born in Bethlehem, and the baby's name, of course, was Jesus. And then, of course, when they get to Bethlehem, there was no room in the inn. And I know you know why there was no room in the inn? Because it was Christmas time and they should have made reservations a lot earlier, right? I mean, you have to think ahead with these things. It is true? (laughs) Okay. Do you think you know why? Because I'm just joking. That's not the real reason. Because they want it to be the place, the special place, that the light of the Lord was shining in. You know, that's a pretty good answer because that means that God orchestrated the whole thing. But there was a reason, remember, they were taking a census so that they would have to pay taxes, and so they had to go all the way to Bethlehem, which was uh, where his family came from, Joseph, and they had to go there, and they had to be counted, and they got there kind of late probably, and all the reservations were taken, so that's pretty much it. In Bethlehem today, it's just a little town right outside of Jerusalem, Um, I had the opportunity to go there this last year, and every year in Bethlehem, they, they light up the whole city with Christmas lights, and it's really quite a fantastic sight, but this year, there are no Christmas lights, it's dark, anybody know why? Why in Bethlehem is it dark? I don't know, Willie, but maybe it's like the city's destroyed. Hmm. Could be. Claire, I bet you know. (laughs) I'm just making a guess, but maybe like they stopped believing in Jesus. Well, there's that. There's a war going on. And so they're not letting them celebrate Christmas this year like we normally do. So it's dark. Because we live in a world that is dark. You know why we light candles on Christmas Eve? Because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then when he left, he said, you are the light of the world. And it's our responsibility to tell the world about the light who is, Je- who is Jesus and that he loves them and that he is a savior who forgives their sins. And so when we light our candles on Christmas Eve, it's dark and those lights, those candles being lit, uh, it, is a it, it represents to us that we are the light of the world, and we're to tell others about Jesus. So I want you to take out your, look what's in your uh, in your bags, okay? You can open them up now. Uh, Emma, when when we light our candles, I want to burn it. <laughs> okay, you want to do a burning one? That's up to your parents, okay? What's in your, your white bag? Take a look. What did you find? You found one. Okay. Anybody know what this is? Yeah. What kind of a candle, though? Don't light this on fire, okay? <laughs> no, this is a glow stick, and do you know how they work? Yep, you got to break them. So when you go back to your seats in just a moment, and we're going to sing Silent Night, you can either use the lighted candle with the flame, or you can take this home if you want and break it and leave it in your bedroom tonight as you go to sleep, whatever you want to do. But remember, when we light the candles and we sing Silent Night, this is a picture of Jesus Christ coming into the world. Okay, you can go back to your seats, and we are going to sing Silent Night. Give them a round of applause, would you?
1: Carefully blow out your candles now. And then I invite you, as you are able, once the candle is blown out, to please stand. And we will close with joy to the world this evening.
2: Christmas. Have a great evening.